Valley family, I'm going to ask, would you welcome John Kelly today? Amen. You may be seated. At this age, I think the proper title is a fossil. <laughs> you know, I'm way beyond retirement age because I believe in constant refirement. Hello? We don't stop. We don't stop because we live forever in eternity. God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us. And here at Valley Christian Church, the most important thing that you are is a family. Because a family cries together, laughs together, celebrates together, and stays strong together. And this is a time for the family of God to stay strong and be courageous. I believe God is speaking a word to us. A word to us. The same word he spoke to Joshua. Be strong and be courageous. When I go to other countries, I'm in countries where they got to be very strong and very courageous. And then I'm in other countries where they got to be very, very strong and very, very courageous. And we just saw that, didn't we? But we also need to know that there are brothers and sisters. There are family too. And a family stays strong together. Hello? We dance, we celebrate, and we fight together. So I want you all to turn to Zechariah. And we're going to be in the ninth chapter of Zechariah. And as I go here into Zechariah, the one thing that I, I want to share with you is that we are about to hear an echo. An echo that's thousands and thousands of years old. But we believe the word of God is inerrant and infallible. And therefore, the word of God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. Come on. So if the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then what does that mean? That means that this is a word for today. Now, in the time of Zechariah, it was a word for the people there. And he was speaking to them in an allegory, and he was speaking to them in metaphors. But it was about what they were going through. But we are still the people of God. We're the family of God, and when you attack us, we become the army of God. And so, here we stand, and here we sit together, and he begins to speak here in Zechariah. In chapter 9, beginning in verse 11, as for you also, everybody say me, everybody say us, as for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. The waterless pit was a place of confinement. It was, a, it was a, basically a dry well where they would confine people. Or it, was a, or it was a place where they would just throw them there to die. And it says here, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Every one of us in this room gathered this morning have been in that pit. 
Oh, somebody get with me here. Every one of us has been in that pit. Yori, come here for a minute. Just stand right here. And as we're in that pit, the only way out is you got to reach up. And it says you turn to the stronghold, but the stronghold's where the light is. It's where the light is, and you got to turn to that stronghold. Put your hand up. Put that hand up right there. And here's our thing. We come into church, and we want to worship God, and we want to touch from God. But God don't want to touch you. Mm -mm. He don't want to touch you. Put your hand up. No, that hand. You're worshiping him. God, God wants to literally get a hold of you. You can move your hand now. You can move your hand now. Hello? You can move your hand now. No, I'm, I'm 79 years old. Yeah, still strong. Hello? Because the only way out of that pit is you've got to allow him to get the grip. That is the only way out. And we got to literally realize that we are going progressively out of the pit when there's no water. As he's pulling us out, and we're growing from babes in the faith to mature in the faith, and we're growing from being strong and courageous to what? Being very strong, very courageous, and very, very strong and courageous. And then he goes on here, and he says, You prisoners of hope, even today I declare that I will restore double to you. I said an echo. I said an echo, which means that this word of yesterday is the word for today. Hello? I'm not going to teach you anything this morning, but I am going to give you a prophetic word. Hello? And I don't have to go shandai and hide in a closet to get it. Why? Because he's already spoken. He's already spoken. And he says, I will render double to you. Because when you come out of that, he'll turn your sorrow into joy. Come on. Come on. He, he will turn your weakness into a strength. He will turn what was curses in your life into blessings. Are you with me? Because he's the God of the double blessing. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. And he's about to bring a double blessing to this family. This family. I declare by the word of Zechariah and the word of God. And then he goes on here. And he says this. For, let's see, return to the strongly prison of hope. Even today I declare to you I will restore double to you. I'm reading this small print. Hello? It's not even my Bible. For I have, I have bent Judah my bow, fitted the bow of Ephraim, and raised up your sons of Zion against your sons of Greece, and made you like a sword of a mighty man. So what he's talking about here, he's talking about two tribes, the tribe of Ephraim, in the tribe of Judah. Ephraim was, at one time, Ephraim was the weakest tribe 
of all the tribes. They were the tribe that in the midst of battle, as Moses was rising, raising his hands, that the battle may be won, they turned back in the day of battle, the scripture says. They turned back because their faith was weak in the day of battle. But here God is using them because now they're a tribe of great faith. They're a tribe of great fruitfulness. And they are now the tribe of the word because they were weak in the word of God in the day that they turned back, but now they're strong in the word of God. And then he says, and when I bent Judah, hello? Mm. And I fitted the bow with Ephraim. What he's talking about here, imagine a bow. You, you know what I'm talking about, a bow and arrow? Well, a bow st 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 starts with straight wood, and you, gotta, you have to wet it, and then you have to bend it. Then you have to bend it, and then you have to bend it, and then you have to bend uh, Somebody with me? You got to keep bending that. And you see, what's happening is our worship, our priestly nature, our prophetic nature is increasing here with the Valley family. Because God is taking us from faith to faith and glory to glory. Somebody with me? And then he's also, he's bending Judah. That's the priestly side of us. That's the prophetic side of us. But now he's going to take the tribe of now the word that had no word because they weren't there in the day of battle. And this is the apostolic part. This is the kingly part now. And he's going to put them, come on, as a sword. Can you imagine it's one thing to get shot down with an arrow, but can you make, imagine a sword going forth? And God is saying that in family, there's going to be a sword coming forth from this house of word and worship. A sword of word and worship that's going to take place. Why? Because you are the connexus. You are the connexus. Say, we are the connexus. Because the connexus means it's two words brought together, the first word being connect. And when you connect, you connect in relationship, not only, hello, with the leadership of the church, but with one another, you become the community of God, the ecclesia of God, the assembly of God, the church of God, the army of God, the bride of Christ, or the family of God. And you become connected relationally with one another. The greatest thing we can all be is have relationships with one another and be the family of God. That's the first connection. But then there's the nexus. And the nexus is different because it's the arrow. It's the arrow because the nexus is aimed at a specific target. It's aimed at a specific target. In the nexus, we have two nexus. We have one, which is a nexus for souls, and the other one is a nexus for our Savior. It is a direct, it has to do with a focus, it has to do with an aim, but always to a place, a point, to an object. We're to be focused on the prize. We're to be focused on the crown of God. Amen? 
But, like we saw there, with all those outreaches, that's to bring the love and the compassion of the community of, of the family of God. But then comes the evangelization, the, the evangelization, the nexus. But first you bring them into community and then into the nexus. And so God is bringing you into the double blessing of connection and nexus together. Of the tribe of Ephraim, the tribe of the word, and the tribe of worship. And then he goes on here. And yes, I'm speaking somewhat allegorically too as I'm sharing this, just as he was back in this day. And then he goes on and he begins to say, Fitted the bow with Abraham and raised up your son's design against the sons of Greece and made you like a sword of a mighty man. We have to realize we're in a warfare. How many of you know that? And it never ends. How many know that when you were born, you were born into an adversarial world? Hmm? And when that doctor slapped you, you gave your first shout of glory. That was a little warrior screaming out, saying, here I come, world. And then he goes on and he says here, then the Lord will be seen over them and his arrow will go forth like lightning. My son, my daughter, pastors, get ready for the lightning. Get ready for a move of God. Get ready for a move of God's spirit. And allow God to move in our midst. Let God lead us into a greater glory. Into a spirit of constant restoration. Of constant renewal. Of constant revival. And he says here, and the Lord thy God will blow the trumpet and go with whirlwinds from the south. The trumpet, God in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 10, Moses ordered the building of two trumpets, one for war and one for worship. And he said, only the princes will discern. But now, we as the community now discern. We as the family now discern. But we got to know what trumpet is blowing at what moment. Because you don't want to be running to worship when it's wartime. And you don't want to be running to war when it's worship time. Hello? Because he's the one that empowers us spiritually, mentally, and physically for the battle. And as he goes on here and he says here, and, the, and we'll go forth with whirlwinds from the south, and the Lord of hosts will defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones. God is raising up out of this congregation pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles. Wait a minute, some of you are into stinking thinking right now because you think I'm talking about ministers in the church. No, I'm talking about all you ministers in the culture. Hello? My son-in-law I told him, I said, son, you're called to be an evangelist. He said, oh, no, I don't want to be doing preaching. And doing. I said, I, I, I didn't, did I say that? He said, no. Well, he said, you did say an evangelist. That makes me nervous. I said, listen, you talked my daughter into marrying you. 
And I know you were lying through your teeth. I know you were overstating your case, but yet she believed you. Hello? And she's a stoic, man. She's like a stone. She's like me. So I said, I know you're an evangelist. And he was in construction. I said, you got to get out of it. He said, what do I got to do? You got to get in sales. He got into selling cars, and all of a sudden, he was number one car salesman in the company. Then one day, I came to him, and I said, Mercedes, Beamers. He goes, what are you talking about, Pop? I said, well, if you're selling this many Toyotas and you sold the same amount of Mercedes or Beamers, you'd make more money. One week later, he was selling for Mercedes. Hello? Then he went into mortgages. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, this, this, I mean, he, seriously, he could literally sell Eskimos refrigerators. <laughs> but there are people in this room that are prophets. And I don't mean they go, Shanda, the Lord is saying. No, no, they are getting creative ideas. They're going through the process of ideation and they're getting creative ideas, not within art, but even within starting up things, even beginning things. Creative ideas. This room is full of them prophets, evangelists. Then there's the teachers, the ones that are analytical. Some of them actually are teachers in schools and all, but then there are those that are analytical. They're the administrators. They're the ones that get things done. I'm not one of them. Hello? I'm a special ed case when it comes to administration. <laughs> when it comes to strategy, tactics, methods, blueprints, I'm the guy. When it comes to building, I'm the guy. But when it comes to administration, I need help. And, and we need them. We need the teachers. Uh, somebody with me? We need the pastors, the shepherds. We need the doctors. We need the nurses. We need the social workers. We need the caregivers. We need the salesmen to raise the money to, build, to buy the bread machines. Hello? We need the teachers to show them how to do it. We need the evangelists to show them how to sell the bread. Oh, somebody with me. Are we catching this? We need the, the administrators to, to run the thing so, so well that we wind up with four bread machines. So the five-fold, every one of you, have one of those stones in him. When David went after Goliath, he didn't pick up one stone. He picked up five. Because after he killed Goliath, he had four more stones. And remember what the purpose of those four stones were? Goliath had four brothers. And David was going to kill them. Because David was a killing machine. You know, everybody, everybody has this image of David like he's some kind of an anorexic 13-year-old. Hello? When I was 16, I was 6 foot 2, 235 pounds. There are kids on the football team right here locally that from the waist down, they're grown men. They may not be here, but they're down here. 
They may still have the mind of a child. So, well, excuse me, I mean, I know I did. But all I'm saying is the scripture never says that the armor was too big. It says he was uncomfortable. Why? Because he had a different style of fighting. My name's Kelly. There's a Chris Kelly. Hello? He's some kind of freaky martial arts person. <laughs> He's like, woo! Ah! I I was I boxed. Hello? I boxed. I had a different style. He had a different he has a different style. David had a different style. He used the missile. Hello? That was the beginning. The slingers, they were the beginning of the snipers. They were deadly accurate. And he put that stone right there. I am telling you, there's an accuracy in this house that's going to put the stones right there. In Jesus' name. And then he goes on here. That will subdue with sling stones and they shall drink and roar it with wine and they shall be filled with the blood. <laughs> Man, this is rough stuff. Like, like basins, like the corners of the altar. So he's talking about, he's talking about this wine. What happened in Pentecost? They received what? The new wine. And it says that young men, what? Come on. Come on. What does this say in the Bible about young men and young women at Pentecost? One will see vision, come on, and they shall drink the wine. This is a wineskin with new wine within it that's about to be poured out all over the Hudson Valley, all over the world. It's coming. And then he goes on and he says, and the Lord of hosts, and the whirlwinds, and then he says, they shall drink and roar as with wine. They shall be filled with the blood like the basins, like the covered corners of the altar, the Lord their God shall save them in that day. In other words, be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. Because when you have that, you can't stop. Because you have a power within you that no one else has. You see, if you have 150 IQ, that's all you have. You don't have 160. Hello? You're only so tall. You're only so strong. You can only jump so high. You can only run so fast. You can only lift so much weight. Hello? I don't care if you have two houses and 14 cars. Everything, everything in our life is limited. But with God, come on, but with God, everything is unlimited. He will give us words of wisdom. He'll give us words of knowledge. He will give us signs and wonders as we exercise that power that's within us. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, In that great power that raised Christ from the dead is to usward, according to the working of what? His mighty power. His mighty power. And we have that within us, each and every one of you. But you've got to release it. You've got to release it. 
words of knowledge, healing, deliverance, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, they're not for charismatic circus acts when the preacher's done preaching. They're for our everyday life. When you meet people, you have to discern them. Wisdom is helping you to solve complex problems because your education, everything else is limited. But when you call on him, all of a sudden you get an answer. Something happens. Something happens. And then it says here, in the flock of his people, they shall be like the jewels of a crowd lifted like a banner over his land. That's literally talking about the return of Christ, the Messiah, the Mashiach. And I believe he's coming and the clouds will open. And he will be in a garment that's covered in blood. And he will be on a white horse. And he will have a tattoo on his right thigh saying, King of kings and Lord of lords. And all of the armies of heaven shall be upon him. And he was that one that Joshua met at Jericho. It was a Christophanus that he met at, Jer at Jericho. And he said, and he said, who are you? And who was he? He was the leader. He was the leader of the armies. He was the king of kings, the lord of lords. That's who he was. And he's coming, and as he's coming, you're going to rule and reign with him. But he looks at each and every one of you as a jewel. Not a lump of coal. Come on. Not a rock of granite. When he's looking at you, you're his precious ones. You're his jewels. And he's saying, you shall be upon my head. Glory to God. You shall. Because he wants to show you off to all the demons in hell. He wants to show you off to all the angels in heaven. He wants to show you off to that great cloud of witnesses that's going on before you. Because he looks at you as prize, precious possessions of his family. As his family. You're his daughters. You're his sons. Oh, he's my Holy Ghost buddy. He's my buddy. No, he's not your buddy. He's not your brother. Hello? You don't want to be your buddy. You don't want to be your brother. He's your king. He's your Lord. But he's your father. He's your father. And you're part of a family of the Holy Ghost, the Father and the Son. And then he speaks on and he goes on here. And he says, and they shall. And they shall be like the jewels of a crown lifted like a banner over his head. And how great is his goodness and how great is its beauty. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. Praise God. Wow. 
he's talking about ecstasy. He's talking about passion. That you're going to have a passion to send forth that word and worship from this house to other places as well. He's talking about this congregation going into the double. Going into the double in many ways with the quality of the word, with the, with the quality of worship. Yes, and with a bigger and bigger increasing family. But none of that is done for anything carnal. It is all that his glory may be shown in this valley and all over the world in Jesus' name. And he says here, the young men will thrive and the young women, the new wine. Let me tell you something. I feel like a young man. I'm pretty beat up. I'm pretty broken up. But I'm not an old man. Hello? Because he renews us. And the passion will keep you driving. Can I tell you a story, a personal story? You, you don't mind? My dad built the biggest bridges in the world. My dad was superintendent over all the high steel iron workers on the Frog's Neck, the Whitestone, the Gowanus Parkway, the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. He's the man who had all the iron workers under him. My dad built the biggest rainbow bridge in the world. It was between two mountaintops, over 1,000 feet in the air. My, my dad retired 65 because the company said you had to retire. Bought a home in Clearwater, Florida. He was retired nine months. I get a phone call. Hey, John. Hey, Dad, I'm quitting. What are you quitting? You got nothing to quit. You've already quit. No, no, you don't understand. I'm quitting this thing. Because then, number one, I'm surrounded with old people. <laughs> and he said, I don't want to be surrounded with old people. Hello? He said, they can't drive right, they can't see right. And he said, if somebody, he said, if one man or woman talks about their, col their colon one more time, I'm just walking out. <laughs> so I said, Dad, what are you going to do? Oh, I've already signed a contract. I said, what do you mean signed a contract? You were an employee, you know, with you were superintendent with American Bridge U.S. Steel. He goes, no, I signed a contract. See, they got a bridge here that they're trying to build. They're going to build this bridge called the Tampa Bay Bridge three months behind time. And he said, I signed a contract. I'm going to be the new superintendent on that bridge, and I'm going to bring it in ahead of time. But first of all, I'm going to fire about 70% of the men on that job. <laughs> you know, he did that. He went on. After that, he built, the, he built the biggest bridge in Brazil across the Amazon River. Then he went to Lisbon, Portugal, built another bridge. He, went, he, he, he built bridges until he was 86 years old all over the world. 
Why? He had no quit. Because he had that passion. And, that's the, and, and what God wants to do is give us that kind of passion, that kind of drive. Because whatever you have a passion for, you will pursue it. And, and, and it'll cause you to go from change to change. I'm committed to change. There are things in me that need to change still. Hello? In order for me to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. I'm committed to adapting. Hello? I mean, man, if I, if I got to go to a church and you got to wear a ripped T-shirt, I'm wearing a ripped T-shirt. Hello? Even though underneath that T-shirt, that I look like a Sharpay. But he's talking about not only restoring our passion as young women, our passion as young men, but taking us to the point of ecstasy when we think of him in heaven. Hallelujah. This church is the connexus. It is the connexus of word and worship of the apostolic and the prophetic. It's the connexus of the five-fold ministry within the marketplace. It is the connexus for revival, for restoration, for reformation, because you are his jewels. Father God, I just thank you, Father God, for every one of these multifaceted diamonds that is sitting in this room, that your glory, that your glory be upon them. I thank you, Lord God, that they will shine brighter and brighter to that more eventual day as your family your army, your bride, your assembly, your ecclesia, advancing the kingdom of God as the bow and the arrow shoots forth in Jesus' name. Amen.